Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Conversations on Dance is generously made possible by Yumiko. Yumiko creates handmade dancewear for dancers by dancers and for years has been a favorite of students and professionals alike. Recently, we had the opportunity to chat with the founder of this legendary brand, Yumiko Takashima, and hear more about her career as a professional dancer, how she created her first leotard, and how she built the company into the brand we love today. Tune in now to hear her speak with us in episode 153 and visit yumiko.com to browse their incredible catalog of customizable dancewear and ready-to-wear styles. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vail, a sponsor helping to host the Vail Dance Festival in our community. A special thanks to Tom Boyd, Director of PR and the Gerald R. Ford Amphitheater for recording, mixing, and editing this interview. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are sharing with you a live podcast recording from the 2019 Vail Dance Festival. Here we speak with artist Kenneth Paris III and dancer Melissa Tugood on Tuesday, July 30th, 2019. Kenneth had many of his Merce Cunningham paintings and drawings featured throughout the festival this year, and many of these pieces feature Cunningham dancer and his wife, Melissa Tugood. We sit down to chat with this duo about their artistic partnership and their relationship to the works of Merce Cunningham. Thank you all so much for coming out again this morning here uh, for another festival forum at the Vail Dance Festival. My name is Michael Breeden. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro, and we are the hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance and former Miami City Ballet dancers. We're here for two weeks at the festival conducting interviews like this one and also interviewing a lot of other festival artists kind of behind the scenes, and we'll be releasing those episodes in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that. So today we have with us uh, dancer and repetitor Melissa Tugood and visual artist Kenneth Paris. Thank you both for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. 
So just to get started, for those of our audience who maybe doesn't know, the two of you are married yeah. <laughs> and you have yes, a beautiful son who last year in Vail was, would you say, three or four months old? Like three and a half months. Yeah. yeah. And so now he's moving around and running around and he's being babysat by Pam Tanowitz right now. Yes. <laughs> Keep it all in the family. So tell us how you guys met. Sure. You want to start? Sure. Um <laughs> I was an understudy with the Cunningham Company, mm -hmm. and um, I had been touring with them because another da dancer was out, and so I was quite close with the dancers, and one of the dancers um, was her birthday, and so she had a party, and Ken was actually um, friends with her boyfriend at the time uh -huh. from high from school. From high school, right. Oh. <laughs> so we met at that party. We did, yeah. And I kind of joke now that their relationship was worth it because we got together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was funny because when I first saw her, she was it was really hard to approach Melissa, not because she's not approachable, but she was sitting between these two beautiful men uh -huh. and I was really intimidated and it was Rashawn Mitchell and um, Cedric. Cedric, that's right. So I was like, had to kind of wait till she got away from them, I felt like, to approach her. It was, it was nice. Yeah. Well, and the rest we've, had, we've had Rashawn on the podcast. He's an intimidating figure. So, Kenneth, how did you first become interested in visual art? And when did you personally begin to create? Um, geez, I would say really, I kind of have always been interested in visual art. It was something that I just did. I would draw and you know, from crayons and markers. Um, when I was really little, we were still living in um, Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia area. And I remember I used to have get a bucket of water and a paintbrush and then just like paint on, this, on the driveway mm -hmm. <laughs> with a bucket of water for hours, for wow. over and over. Now, other kids use chalk. I would just paint and let it disappear and paint and let it disappear. But um, I was really fortunate that my um, mother in particular, she was really into visual art and... Um, she recognized the talent and really, I mean, I never felt pushed. She would mm -hmm. just ask me, would you like to do this? Would you mm -hmm. like to take a painting mm -hmm. class? Would you like to do, you know, so there was different summer programs when we moved to Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. um, that she got me involved with at Laguna Gloria and I took pottery and things like that. And, and, um, then just really wanted to start showing. And I had mm -hmm. my first exhibition at a coffee shop. Uh, or no, at Amy's Ice Cream in Austin. <laughs> and then I started doing coffee shops when uh -huh. I was like 18 mm -hmm. until I worked my way in the galleries. Yeah. Mm. So with all of that interest in art, was there ever any thought of you taking dance classes maybe when you were a young kid? You know, not really. It, my younger sister did. Mm -hmm. And um, I was always interested in the figure mm -hmm. and sort of what the body went through and um, through dance mm -hmm. and that sort of that. You know, I wasn't able to identify it when I was younger, but the tension, right. um, holding a pose, um, just moving across the floor and how to capture that mm -hmm. uh, on a two dimensional plane. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I don't know, for me, I, it never felt like it was something I was that interested in pursuing mm -hmm. myself. He has taken class with the Cunningham Company. <gasps> yeah. It's something that was always fun for us. Like, especially at the mm -hmm. end of like a six week tour, we'd make the partners take classes, a little yeah. entertainment. <laughs> entertainment for sure. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. I love that. So Melissa, we've had you on the podcast before, but yes. for those of us who maybe haven't listened to that quite yet. You should go back and listen. Can you um, tell us about how you got your start in dance and what brought you to the work of Merce Cunningham? 
Um, well, I don't really remember starting dancing. <laughs> I was one of those that like three years old. Um, yeah. and I just never questioned it. It just made sense to me. Um, I went to a really great performing arts high school in Australia. And, um, from there, um, the director of my school there was, I guess, friends with a director of New Old School of the Arts in Miami and invited mm -hmm. him to bring kids out for the National High School Dance Festival. From that, I got a full scholarship to New World. And then my sophomore year, um, two former Cunningham Company members came to set a piece and I was in that. And that was, until then, I'd really, like every type of dance I tried, I mm -hmm. loved. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me to kind of figure out where I wanted to try and make a career happen. Mm -hmm. um, but that really made sense. And so then when I graduated, I went to New York. Um, and it wasn't immediate. <laughs> it was back and forth, different things. I mean, I mean, when I graduated, they just hired like three or four company members. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I actually danced for Pam Tanowitz before I got into Cunningham. And then wow. I was very fortunate. She was the first person that invited me back when the company ended. So I danced for Merce for a while, and um, since then I've been freelancing with a lot of different people. I've been very lucky. Um, I think freelancing actually does really suit me because of what I was talking about. I loved everything that I did. Uh -huh. So, I mean, with Cunningham, that satisfied me because there was so many decades of work, and he really did keep investigating. So a piece from the 50s like you'll see this weekend, it was very different than a piece from the 90s, which you saw last year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, that, I didn't, never felt like I wasn't challenged with trying new things, dancing for one company. Mm -hmm. um, but being a freelancer now is um, really great. Like I've gotten to dance with the Stephen Petronio company, mm -hmm. which I really learned a lot from that because his physicality was so different than other things that I'd done. And I work with Sally Silvers and really working with Pam is like my consistent thing. And I know I'm kind of known as a Cunningham dancer, but mm -hmm. really working with her is, I feel like that's my life's work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. yeah. So Kenneth, when did you really find that you, um, you said you always were interested in uh, composing the body or mm -hmm. body motion, but when did um, an interest in dance really start to take hold for you? And uh, when in particular did you uh, become aware of Merce's work? Yeah. Um, well, like I'd mentioned, my sister was, she was actually a student at Ballet Austin. Mm. Um, and I knew when I was in college, I went to RIT and I was studying, studied illustration and graphic design. And I knew we had this upcoming project um, where we had to do pieces in series. Mm -hmm. So I actually asked um, my sister first and then went to Ballet Austin and asked if I could just come in and watch class and take photographs. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. So that started in college and I did mm -hmm. some pieces from that. Um, we still have one on our wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really where it started then. But with, so there's always been that interest. Mm -hmm. And then the physicality of a dancer, I mean, you know, as a, as a visual artist, you paint from the figure mm -hmm. and they're, they're models. But I always found that working with dancers was uh, more interesting because mm -hmm. they have such control over their body and then the tone is just it's i it, it's personal it's mm -hmm. more interesting to paint and to right. draw the the muscle tone um but really with merce i'd found i knew that i'd found out that the legacy tour was going to happen after mm -hmm. he was passing mm -hmm. and through 
living with Melissa and we were dating at the time, just seeing really what it takes to perform at that level, the um, physical aspects of it, but also the emotional aspects. Because the Legacy Tour, for those that don't know, it was going to be after Merce passed away, they were going to launch a two-year 50-city world tour mm -hmm. and reconstruct, I think, 18 works, Melissa? Mm, I think it was less than that. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so they were going to reconstruct different works and mm -hmm. basically give the world the, a sort of a final viewing mm -hmm. of Merce's work with the final company that he trained because right. after all of it was over, the company was going to disband. Mm -hmm. So my interest was not just the physicality of the dancers at that, at that point, it became more of how are these dancers going to do it? I mean, emotionally they just lost their mentor. Mm -hmm. um, some of them like Melissa had not been in the company for that long. So the company was disbanding. They were all losing their jobs, mm -hmm. um, which, that was around the same time as a financial crisis. Mm -hmm. So that was a similar thing going on in the world at that <clears throat> time too. So um, I just felt that that sort of behind the scenes of what it will take to do this work and that journey and just even just the rigors of being on the road. Mm -hmm. I thought there was a story there that needed to be told. Right. And I sort of wanted to kind of strip back what we saw on stage to really get to the dancer's life and the dancer's struggle. Right. Melissa, how did that affect you personally having to perform, um, you know, maintain the level that you mm -hmm. were used to putting out there, but under that sort of kind of emotional duress? Um, well, like Ken said, I was one of the um, newer members of the company. And so like when Merce died, I was, I was like one of the favorites <laughs> because I was like the new shiny toy, you right, know? Right, right. So he, the last piece he made, he really was like, let's see what she can do, you know? And because it was the last piece he made, we did it a lot. And so it really like, it broke me in a way that I am so grateful for because I, um, a lot of people end up leaving the company when they get to that point. And I wasn't ready to do that yet. So right. I really had to rebuild my whole physicality to be able to get through it. And um, I did come out stronger because of it. And so that was like my own personal journey through that tour. Um, but also like we, we pretty much realized quite quickly one of the first performances um, on the road after Merce died that we were receiving the applause for his whole life's work. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was, it was a big responsibility and a beautiful one. And mm -hmm. um, the, the one thing that we didn't love was everywhere we went. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Yeah, we're like, next. we still have 18 months. <laughs> we're like, we're just trying to get through the next show. Right, <laughs> we're like, right. You know, we kind of joked about the fact that I was like, Ken, can you make us t-shirts <laughs> that say, I don't know. <laughs> um, Which was strange. It sort of gave me a little bit of um, validity. I felt that it gave my project some, mm -hmm. some more validity because you know, you, anytime as an artist, you, you stake out to do some project. I mean, this is a huge undertaking for me and from sure. just trying to figure out how to get on the road, how to make the work, how to do it financially, mm -hmm. negotiating 15 different contracts right. with all the dancers, <clears throat> making sure they were all comfortable, um, because I was putting them, uh, their personal time mm -hmm. and space on display. Right. 
um, you know, with the, the amount of access that I required. So once I saw too that everyone was asking these dancers, what's next, what's next? I thought, okay, I, what I'm doing is important because this is really, you know, dance only exists in time and space. So this was now a, a, a marker for the dancer's effort. Mm -hmm. So there's actual, um, not just photographs, but a, a marker for what they've done. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So when you heard about this tour originally happening, was it always your intention right away to go on this tour and document it in this way? Had you been on another tour before that made you feel like, Oh, this is going to be really worthwhile. And I'd been on tour before with Melissa, but mm -hmm. not in the capacity of this. I would, right. I would have not as often, not yeah. as often. Right. Um, I, I, just really as an observer, I would right. go to class and like Melissa said, I took class a couple of times, <laughs> but really it was just, um, I just enjoyed being. I feel there. like it was our home life that initiated it. It really was our home Especially life. Especially, you know, I'd wake up, he'd see a show and, you know, there's this like kind of glamour to it mm -hmm. that people just see this like thing on stage and then like in the morning I would wake up and I wouldn't be able to stand up straight and I'd be hobbling to the bathroom. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? I just, I you saw what I did last night. Yeah. 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 He's like, but how do you do that when you can't even walk? <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing. And I thought, well, nobody knows this mm -hmm. and it's a strange thing, I guess, but I thought it, people should, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it, um, it just adds another element of the work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which if you visit Manor Vale here, one of the drawings he has is um, exhibited here is me sitting at the breakfast table, eating breakfast, like my underwear with my feet in a bucket of ice. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. There are some of your works out here. They're throughout the festival this right, year. Right. So everyone can mm -hmm. view them and enjoy them. Right. How many of the, the tour stops were you able to go on? You said it was 50 cities or so? I didn't go to all of them mm -hmm. because I actually, I can't even remember. There was a, a, a stretch about six months in that I well, skipped. For instance, we went to Paris twice. Mm -hmm. So you so only did one Paris tour. I did one tour. Paris tour. Um, I skipped Hong Kong. Um, I really wanted to go, but they were only there for such a few days. Yeah. Or just a couple of days. So mm -hmm. I, I had to think also financially. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because at this time too, I... I I self-funded the project because mm -hmm. I, I needed to get on the road by the time right, I right. thought about doing it. I right. just needed to go and I didn't mm -hmm. have time to apply for grants right. and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I have to get out there and right. do this work. Right. Mm -hmm. Lucky you could share my room. I <laughs> share <laughs> Right. Right. I did a lot. I used feel a like, lot of miles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like a tour like that used to be so much more common. You know, you hear about, I mean, even in ballet companies, like the Royal Ballet used to come to the Met for six weeks at a time. And now mm -hmm. with the arts you know, it's more difficult to find funding, but that must have been such an amazing experience as an artist. What were some of your like strongest memories from out of those 50 cities? Oh. What stands out to you? Wow. Um, That's hard. Huh? Well, I really loved Russia, actually. Mm. That was yeah. surprising. Um, there was one instance where I think a lot of the other company members, it wasn't their favorite tour, but I actually found the people very warm and Ken got lost coming back to the yeah. hotel one day and this 
elderly woman couldn't speak English at all. She literally walked him all the way back to the hotel because she didn't know how to tell him how to get there. Yeah. Like it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I mean, everything's it's Cyrillic. You can't just kind of try to make out the street names. Right. <laughs> it's incredibly confusing. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm so stuck. Right. But um, yeah. this woman just came up to me and then brought me to this cafe and then she was, they were trying to like translate. And then she just says, come on. And with her hand, I don't know what she said, but I, she just had me follow her and she walked me back to the hotel. Wow. So when people say Russian people aren't warm, I'm like, well, no, I don't think that happened in New York. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. One of my other favorite was probably in Hong Kong. Um, there was this huge billboard that I actually happened to be on. It was myself, Brandon and Dylan. And you know, when you're on tour, often there's certain like friend groups that hang out. The three of us would never hang out just the three of us together, Uh really. Um, like that configuration. Mm -hmm. And we happened to be on this tour bus, just like seeing the city on an open air up the top. And we come around the corner and there's this huge billboard of the three of us. We're like, wait, what? This is so funny. And we're like taking selfies. And then everyone on the bus was looking at us like, what are they doing? And then I think they They realized that's them. (laughs) That's so great. Was there a particular city where the reaction from the audience was like so big that it really blew you away and kind of was really touching? Like you mentioned that it seemed like everyone was really... Honestly, everywhere. Everywhere. It's like as soon as the curtain went down, most people went to their feet and were like, oh, that's not really about us. That's really from us, which Mm. was amazing like we we received the applause for all the generations of dancers that had given everything for his work i I think france in general there were a lot of stops in france but paris i guess in particular i don't know what they i guess they just said forget the Mm -hmm. fire marshal laws because at some point they just just started flooding in people and they all mm. sta- sat on the steps. Right. Wow. I mean, it was really magical wow. to yeah. watch. He that. would know more from the audience because he right. always watched with David Vaughn. I always watched with David Vaughn. Yeah. Oh. It was really nice. Nice. So, what was the life of this project after the tour ended? You know, this year for the centennial, you have it at the Vale Dance Festival. What else has been the life for this work? Right. Um, well, it's, it's funny. It sort of was pretty organic in that um, my first exhibition of it was during the final shows at the Armory. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to do um, something at the same time. Well, like I said, because of the sort of the marker for the the dancer's effort. And I wanted them to all be able to come because we really didn't know where everyone was going to go. They didn't know where they were going to go. A lot of people left New York. A lot of people left New York. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do something then. So all the work started as drawings. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started with a drawing show. And um, at that point I had, I showed 40 drawings. Um, I've created over a little over 70 drawings. Um, all yeah. from photographs that I took. Right. I used the the photographs as reference, and each piece was um, composed of anywhere between one and eight different mm-hmm. photographs. Because um, I might have used, you know, an arm from one and a leg mm-hmm. from another, but also I recomposed scenes, mm-hmm. um, meaning. It, for example, there's a painting that's on display by the amphitheater called mm-hmm. The Lost Hotel Rooms. That scene was actually over four days mm-hmm. in hotels, in, in one hotel in London. So all of those people that are in that piece weren't in the same room at the same right. time. Mm-hmm. But I took different excerpts from that. And it was really more about 
capturing the essence of the moment of mm -hmm. what it's like to be in a hotel room after shows when everybody's having a chance to rub their feet or just mm -hmm. have a drink or or whatever mm -hmm. um so that was that was sort of a little bit of the um kind of how sort of the how I created the works, but mm -hmm. how it sort of lived and moved on was I did that drawing show first. And then from the drawings, I created the painting. So mm -hmm. I would use the drawings and revisit photographs, recompose scenes, um, add sections. And, um, then I started doing some painting shows. So I guess overall I did two New York shows, a show in Philadelphia, which was in conjunction with the dancing around the bride, mm -hmm. um, exhibition i mean in conjunction in that i did it at the same time it wasn't sponsored people, <laughs> people that went to the show also came to right, my right. show but um i just want to make sure i'm clear about that but um, <laughs> you planned well <laughs> I guess I planned well. and houston. houston i did an exhibition in houston um which was great because marcy munnerlin and melissa came down and actually danced mm -hmm. in at the gallery the at the mm -hmm. opening oh very cool um, and that was sort of then i became visual artist slash producer which is kind of neat <laughs> that's fun and then a, um, a collaborator of of mine, uh, Jeff Klein, a musician, actually did the music for mm -hmm. that show, and it was it was a gorgeous mm -hmm. show. Um, but then, I guess the besides this, the last thing was Jacob's Pillow, mm -hmm. wasn't it? I was really fortunate that um, I think it was the five year anniversary of our last performance mm -hmm. at, Jacob's oh. at Jacob's Pillow, yeah. right? And um, I worked with Norton Owen, the mm -hmm. archivist there. And um, yeah. he mounted a show of the Because the last show we did before Merce died was at Jacob's Pillar. Jacob's Pillar yeah. um, he oh, wasn't there, yeah. but he watched it. Um, the musician set up a laptop in the pit so he could watch from home. That's beautiful. Yeah. Aww. So I was thinking about something Melissa was saying, how a Merce work from the 50s doesn't resemble necessarily that from the 90s. It feels like a different experience and, mm -hmm. um, in relation to what the work that you do. Like as a dancer... We can certainly do other styles and choreographers, but you are trapped by the limits of your body. But for you, like what, how has your art evolved from that work you have up, you said, from your early days as an artist to what you do now? Yeah. Well, Merce changed the way I view the body. Hmm. I mean, as much yeah. as I was interested in it, mm -hmm. um, the, I, I think it might be sort of what you view as natural versus unnatural. You do that even when you're composing a scene. So what feels like compositionally will work and where you sort of crop the body or mm -hmm. where you don't crop mm -hmm. the body. There's sort of rules for that. And somebody, you know, Merce not only gave me and his collaborators, Robert Rauschenberg, Jasper Johns, they, they basically gave, gave me permission to break mm -hmm. rules in, right. a, in a way. Um, but, I can't sort of view the body in the same way anymore because now I'd look at it in terms of like potential energy. Um, There's more movement in your work now than I there think is there used to be. There is. And I'm thinking about it in a different way as far as it almost sounds subtle, but um, it, when you think of even gravity or, you know, is there a weight pushing down on the dancer as they're trying to get up off the floor or is the ground pulling them down? You know, so when you look at things in that way, mm -hmm. I mean, even though I was, I was, drawing and painting these dancers all living mm -hmm. so at restaurants or you know things like that it wasn't so much about that dancing yeah. mm -hmm. but i've i still do figurative work melissa models for me a lot mm -hmm. and so that became this whole other investigation interesting um yeah so merce is one of the like 
dance revolutionaries of the 20th century for mm-hmm. sure and he has a lot of defining elements to his choreography that makes him so special Melissa yes. you know obviously his work so well Kenneth you're obviously very intuitive when yeah. it comes to dance even Thank though you, you weren't a dancer what do you guys see as these defining elements in his choreography that sets him apart um, I think the obvious one that everyone knows is the separation of dance and music mm-hmm. um, which does not at all mean that you're not rhythmical or mm-hmm. musical mm-hmm. in some ways you have to be more so mm-hmm. um but i th- i think one of his biggest legacies is really the complexity within the body so he would build work with the legs and then add something different with the torso something different with the arms even then with the head mm-hmm. and then sometimes you'd be like okay i practice this you're ready to go on stage and that day he'd be like okay now make this your front and then you have to adjust everything an eighth of a turn uh-huh. <laughs> like, ah. uh-huh. um so that kind of complexity and not just um the different body parts but you'd have different rhythms with different body parts and that was always really fun for me so that kind of challenge and that problem solving aspect um so the physical demands um were matched by the um mental <laughs> demand. Right. Yeah, which I love. So I think that's a big part of his legacy. Um, after Cunningham ended working with some different people, sometimes they'd be like, okay, well, is it easier if you go this way or that way? And I'm like, easier? Like, is that a question? <laughs> 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 like, what do you want? And then I have to figure it out. Uh-huh. You know? Right, right. So I yeah. just got kind of used to that because it's not about it looking perfect in a way. It's about like, what do you find when you're trying to figure this thing out? Mm-hmm. And then is that interesting? Right. Yeah. And I think for me with, um, sort of how it relates even more so to visual artists and, and this particular 104 work weeks project being on tour with the company. Um, I had to think about, I'm telling a story Mm -hmm. and I wasn't quite sure how to tell it. So do I do it more from like city to city? And is it more like, oh, here's a postcard from when we were in Marseille, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and is there one image for that? So I had to investigate all those things. And it was, I thought, well, let me look not just at my material dancers, but what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's when I even dug even deeper into Merce's work. And that's how I, I came up with this notion of, well, I, this isn't, I don't have to tell a linear story. Mm-hmm. So again, Merce giving me permission to mm-hmm. sort of do that. Um, and, and that's what it really became about. It was like capturing that, not even an exact likeness of the dancers mm-hmm. even. It was just, here is a moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I started to to visualize it a little bit more of, you know, almost as when you start to lay down and go to sleep at night and, mm-hmm. and you're sort of in this state of, you know, dreams start to kind of enter in. Maybe you're sort of recapping your day of what mm-hmm. that was like. Mm-hmm. That was, I took that um, and tried to sort of put that into the paintings in particular, where that's very much how it feels like when you're on the road, you're, you're waking up in a different hotel room. Mm -hmm. You're, um, just the practicality of, especially for the dancers, what do I eat? Mm -hmm. Where do I go to like, (laughs) my stomach will be okay. Especially after a show, you're like, everything's closed. Everything's closed. I'm starving. And certain places like (laughs) 14 angry dancers knocking on a restaurant. (laughs) We're like, Spain is open forever, but like, you better like me when you're right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? So there's, there's things like that, that, um, I wanted to sort of capture some of that kind of haziness and that mm-hmm. fog of, did this happen? Is it really happening? And, and, um, 
a little bit dreamlike in each of the images. Well, it's like you're, I mean, you guys know touring. Yeah. It's like you're, we still, like sometimes like years later when he'll have an exhibition and some of the dancers will come to the show and we're like arguing about, no, I think it was this city. No, I, didn't we go to that restaurant? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Wait, I swear those are my feet. No, because I was in that party, but you were. Uh -huh. like, you know? yeah. So it's like we don't remember things accurately either, but um, the feeling I think is always quite clear. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think that's just more interesting for the viewer. I mean, my work is more realistic. It's not, ab you know, it has a certain level of abstraction. Right. But um, when you're doing figurative work, you, I think you need to especially give space for the audience to insert themselves. So when the mm -hmm. dancers were having this sort of these little discussions or <laughs> pseudo arguments, if you will, it also gives the audience a, a place to kind of set in and go, well, what was that person really doing there? And mm -hmm. what, you know, you're mixing like a hot tub scene with a restaurant scene mm -hmm. and what, you know, what, oh, well, that was over a few Me in the doctor's office. You in the doctor's <laughs> office, you know, things like that. That's, a, yeah. that's mm -hmm. things that happen, right? Oh, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> So uh, Melissa Merce mm -hmm. set up a trust uh, to protect and preserve his legacy before he yes. died, and you are now part of that trust. I'm I'm not. Actually. You're not a part of that trust. I <laughs> teach class. I'm mm -hmm. a stager, but I'm not actually you know, a trust uh, member. A yeah, I see. So yeah. Okay. You, I am occasionally work. employed by the trust. That's sure. true. Yes. I see. Yeah, okay. So what does that mean to be uh, a, a part of Merce's legacy in a different way to help, um, you know, continue to bring his art even after his death? Um, well, Merce actually put me on faculty in 2007, so mm -hmm. he himself already kind of put me in a position to do that. Um, so I started teaching for him before he died mm -hmm. and actually before, before I officially a became a company member. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, cool. Yeah. At first I was like, what? No, mm -hmm. I don't want him to see me as a teacher. Mm -hmm. I want to see me as a dancer. And Robert's like, no, no. Like, we, he we've been thinking through the company and like he wants you to teach and i was like okay okay <laughs> so I've, I've had some practice now and um i'm also i've been rehearsal director for pam's company for um since 2012 too so i don't have a desire to choreograph although we did actually ken and i made a show together recently with my sister which was great but i have one show in me <laughs> um, but i i love coaching mm -hmm. and staging and um I, I am asked a lot because i'm one of the final company members and one of the last people to have this embodied knowledge from him mm -hmm. to teach and still perform and i always like to say yes because i feel like i it's I kind of have an obligation because right. there's only a few of us that still have this mm -hmm. knowledge directly from Merce. Mm -hmm. Um so and that way it's bigger than me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um so when I can, I always say yes and then it's a negotiation mm -hmm. with the trust. <laughs> yeah. Are you mostly staging works that you've personally danced or things that were made on you? Um not always. I think it's nice to have a little bit of a connection to mm -hmm. it. Um so I, I'm staging excerpt of Antique Meat for mm -hmm. this weekend, which um, actually, in a way, it was Jennifer Goggin's idea. She was in the company with me, and she asked me to teach a workshop this summer for the Trust. And um, I had suggested one particular piece, which I actually had never danced in, because mm -hmm. that was interesting to me, because I, I hadn't really um, 
done that a lot mm. with a piece that I hadn't danced at all. Right. I'd done sections that I hadn't danced before from pieces that I had performed excerpt. Right. So I was interested in that. And she's like, well, actually, another dancer is already doing that. I'm like, okay. She's like, but no one's touched antique meat. How about you do that? And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> and as I was looking at it and stuff, and I was like, oh, I, this would be great for the festival. And mm. so in a way, it prepared me more to be here for this festival. So, mm. um, but even if you've performed a piece... Um, staging it, you haven't performed every role. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's always something new to figure out. Um, but yeah, a bit of both. Um, and because mm. Merce did events a lot, which were um, new works, basically, he created from many works. So mm. if we were in a museum and we're like, oh, we have three stages, he would pull different. Um, sections from different pieces and put them together in a new way. So I had performed a lot of works partially mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> so that there really was a lot of works that you've touched a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So what is your process like when you're setting a ballet? You have to, like mm -hmm. you said, even if you've danced it, you haven't done every single part. So how do you learn it? How do you catalog it? Um, fortunately, we do have a lot of video. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And then there are notes in the dance capsules um of merces mm -hmm. and um melissa but you know merces sorry I, no i interrupted you um melissa w was in several new creations and she took rigorous notes too oh. so uh, for some of the pieces she did mm -hmm. you even you visited your own notes yeah and sometimes in the capsules like for instance for antique meat that i'm staging now um when I was in the company, we did do the piece, like I said, but Sandra Niels came back to stage it. So some of her notes are also in the capsule. Mm. Um, so really this piece I had personal experience with. So I really started there because when things are done again, more clarity kind of appears, but then you always kind of want to go back and have a look. And so mm -hmm. I've stolen little things from like the 1964 film, Swedish film that was made um, that has Merce himself in it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, he did this hand gesture instead. That's kind of cool. I'm going to like do that. And so you really, um, you also have to think about the dancers you're staging it on because mm -hmm. you want it to work for them. Mm -hmm. And something that always stuck out for me with Merce, he'd be like, is it clear for you? Not like, is it clear? Is it clear for you? And because he never wanted any of us to look exactly the same. And you can be dancing a role that had been done by seven other women before mm -hmm. you, multiple mm -hmm. generations. But I never felt like he was comparing me to anybody else. Right. And I, I have a very good memory for movement and, um, uh, I can get really rigid about things and mm -hmm. Merce really taught me to open up and lighten up. I, I learned a lot from him about how to see things differently and um, see the same thing on different bodies. Mm -hmm. And so I really try and pull from that when I'm especially sharing the work with people that had never trained in it before. I, I have worked with some people who are taking Cunningham class a lot Um you know, these guys don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, you, for it to be successful, they can't be scared of it. Mm -hmm. So you have to give them a way in and try and relate it to the way they have moved or, and different dancers, um, remember things differently. Like yesterday I was teaching Jared something and it was, um, it changes from a six to 18 and 18. He's like, Oh, it's the six makes me out. I'm like, well, six threes are 18. So you could keep counting sixes yeah. if that works for you. He's like, yeah. Oh yeah, great. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. You know, so you kind of have to figure out for different people, how to make it work. And, um, that challenge is similar to the work for me. Mm -hmm. So with not doing the work, I have that other 
problem solving aspect that I love about right. it. Right. Well, I've even watched Melissa because Merce changed things mm-hmm. too. So a different just gonna video, ask, yeah. mm-hmm. they could be doing something different. So then Melissa as stager has to make a choice there too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And maybe I would make a choice for me, but then when I'm seeing a dancer, like it's not quite working for them or they're, they didn't feel embodied in it. And I would go back and look at different yeah, videos and be like, oh, okay, maybe they could try it this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you will be dancing at the festival? So you're staging Antic Meet, but you, mm-hmm. you'll be dancing yourself as well. Yes. I'm performing a duet with Calvin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually performed it at the 92nd Street Y in New York in February. Yeah, I believe so. Um, it's a duet that I, I chose for Calvin and I. I felt like it was more us mm-hmm. <laughs> than, like, for example, the duet I chose for Armand and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... Um, a little softer and we dance together the whole time. It's very connected and I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that'll be Saturday evening. So that's, uh, again, a Merce Cunningham duet. And, um, I believe Damien has decided I will do the antique meat solo. Uh-huh. Um, we were between two different solos, but I think that's what we've landed on. So <laughs> it's a solo from antique meat as well. Um, with an umbrella oh. it won't be performed with the excerpt um the trust has decided which i don't totally understand why but um mm-hmm. that it can't be performed with the group section they want to keep a clear distinction between stager and dancer i interesting. see yeah i think it's interesting because i don't really think an audience cares <laughs> <laughs> but um so those two sections from the same piece are being performed, but separately. Mm-hmm. And then um, on Monday, I'll be performing Pam Townsend's new work. Wonderful. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. It's an, um, That's what's also so great about this festival. It's not necessarily a group of people that you thought would be put together. Right. And it, we're meshing really well. It's really exciting. Awesome. Yeah, I love the group. You mentioned briefly the collaboration that the two of you did earlier this right. year, uh, Set Apart. Can you tell us a little bit about that collaboration and your choreography experience <laughs> and how, how the idea came about for that? Um, for me, the reason why I had the guts to do it is because of Steve Paxton, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he is actually an original cast member from Antique Meat, mm. but oh. he, um, he's had an very important career of his own after Merce. And he was awarded a Bessie Award a couple of years ago. And what he said is that, I mean, I may be not exact word for word, but Mm -hmm. basically that everyone should make a piece at some point in their life. Um, Interesting. So I was like, okay, he's someone I should listen to. (laughs) All right, I'll do it. Um, And I've always wanted to dance with my sister. She's Mm -hmm. a dancer in Australia. And We've worked together once a couple of years ago because she was in New York doing a Cunningham workshop. And um, another choreographer, Christopher Keynes, had said, have you guys ever danced together? We're like, no. And he was working on a film series, short films with Richard Daniels. So they made a short thing Mm -hmm. for us. And, you know, siblings sometimes have complex relationships, Mm -hmm. but we (laughs) worked really well together in a working capacity. Mm -hmm. So we're like, oh, okay, this would be exciting. So. Um, we really wanted to work together, dance together. So Jody and I choreographed it and we were like, Ken, we really need you to, um, help us kind of give it direction and be mm-hmm. like an outside, um, dramaturg in a way. Mm-hmm. And 
of course, like, can you make a set or do some kind of visual right. design? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it started out as, can you make a, maybe you'll make some set pieces. Maybe mm -hmm. you'll make a, you know, a video in the background. Uh -huh. Then it was like, you have to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> like we have, we found this, this amazing uh, venue in Melbourne to, to uh, premiere it. And the stage was huge. Uh -huh. Yeah. The space so, dance and art center. Yeah. The space Melbourne. dance and art center. And, um, Melissa and Jody were, were just thinking, you know, how are the two of us going to occupy this whole space and make it interesting and exciting? Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so, and part of what was interesting to us is that we're so similar, even though we've spent our entire adult lives living on different continents. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, how do we create separately and then do it in the same space? And mm -hmm. interesting. So it was and that's a neat how, process. Yeah. And that's how we worked too, where I started to just create um, collages and things and, and give them you know, photographs and mm -hmm. say, this is what I'm thinking about. But I came up with this idea, essentially the video behind was instead of a set where like the curtain comes down and the set piece comes out and people are dressed in black. So they're like in the shadows, you don't really see them if the curtain's up. Mm -hmm. I, we used a video screen and I created, I think it was over five days, multiple collages that I shot in time-lapse. Mm. So it was actually, instead of people moving the set, it was my hands moving the set. So I would build the collages in time and then paint on top of them and then strip them away. And so a lot of it was about building up and taking away. And oh, um, cool. Yeah, and it was this mm -hmm. whole investigation of sort of place. And, mm -hmm. um, and then we leaned on our amazing friend, Jeff Klein, again for, for sound music. and music. Yeah, yeah, he did a great job for yeah. the sound. And, and then I had to build some set pieces actually in Australia, which just even the mechanics of that where you're <laughs> come up with the plans at home, but then you're... I had to convert everything to metric and oh, think in a different yeah. way. Yeah. You know? yeah. And like, and then, well, what lumber we don't do they live have? there? We're like, me and my, my sister's husband's parents' yeah. garage. <laughs> they don't have Lowe's, but they have Bunnings. So, what, <laughs> what's the measurements of the lumber that you sell? So, I could, like, right. it's interesting trying to kind of figure out those things yeah. too, which mm -hmm. becomes like another level of that mm -hmm. artistic mm -hmm. process. And yeah, then my parents they're like, were Can you dance really like, too? wow. That there's a lot that goes into this. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was sort of it for me where maybe I would interact with the set a little mm -hmm. bit. I I painted, well, drew actually with Sharpie markers on um, vinyl shades that mm -hmm. rolled down and that became part of the set. So at, at one point in the piece, I rolled them down and, and there was a bit of a reveal and mm -hmm. then rolled them back up. But Melissa and Jody were like, well, how are you going to get on stage if this is what you're going to... I said, I don't know. I just walk on stage. <laughs> I'm like, no. If I've learned anything from Pam, that's yeah. lazy. <laughs> the laziest choreograph. I'm like, <laughs> So I ended up dancing, dancing <laughs> quite a bit in uh -huh. this piece. But dancing for me, which was... Put it this way, they used me very well. There was like, you know, lunges and crossings and things. So it wasn't dancing like Melissa and Jody, but, but that's so cool. It was very integrated. That's yes. awesome. It was yeah. great. It so, worked out better than we expected. <laughs> yeah, it was really yeah. a fun process. Um, and people seem moved, so that was good. Yeah, and now we're looking to do it in, in Sydney. Sydney in mm. December. Fantastic. Nice. Right. Where are all the so. sets now? Um, they oh, were somewhat <laughs> broken down in Melvin, and then my parents recently drove them up to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. good. Keep so them safe. <laughs> exactly. So before we get to audience questions, uh, one last thing: Do you guys have any plans for future collaborations? Um, 
other than doing the piece again in Sydney, which we want to work on more. We want to work. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it would be great if we could figure out how to get more time somewhere, maybe a residency. That would be to, great. Yeah. To just develop it more and find the, the parts that we're like, well, that wasn't as strong as we wanted mm -hmm. to. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, really just look at the piece again. And, and yeah. In a way, I mean, we had many years talking about it, but yeah. actually like doing, doing it. it. I mean, Hudson was created and born <laughs> within that whole process. Yeah. And my sister got married through the whole So a lot of things were going on while we were talking right. about it. Uh -huh. So to have more time in the same space actually yeah. working on it would be great yeah. but other, but than that, other right? collaborations yeah. i mean really melissa models for me so often because i work for free <laughs> <laughs> it's true but my work has shifted a bit um because this series was done a while ago mm -hmm. and i've done multiple series since then but now especially with the birth of our son um i'm working on a new series called resist portraits where um it's I don't even have all the words to articulate what it's about exactly yet because mm -hmm. I'm just trying to work a little bit more intuitively and trust mm -hmm. myself and just make work. Mm -hmm. um, and but but right now it's like the idea that you know experiencing as a father too that sometimes some of the most basic things seem like an act of resistance. Mm -hmm. And then also within the context of where our world is today too, mm -hmm. and, and sort of what's happening across the globe. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's both of those things happening, but um, yeah, that's this new series that I'm working on and I'm really focusing on portraits, but then I've also started to incorporate nature portraits mm -hmm. as I call them. So specific aspects of like flowers within the landscape. So it becomes like a portrait of that. You're in a perfect place for that right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it's still that same, like building up and stripping away and the mm -hmm. tension behind all of these sort of conflicting ideas mm -hmm. and um, yeah. So Melissa and I are still collaborating yeah. in that way. The next collaboration will be by a Lowe's I'm guessing. Yes. Probably, <laughs> yeah. All right, if anyone right here. First non-art question. I believe it was Martha Graham who said Bruce Cunningham is the bad boy of dance. Expand <laughs> on that. Why? What does that mean? Um, well, he had danced for her. And as you know, like she made story ballets. You know, they were about. Um, I, I recently worked with the Graham Company with for on a new creation with Pam, and so again we had to kind of they had to look at movement in a different way. Mm -hmm. In that, um, mm -hmm. for them, dancing Martha's ballets, uh, every movement has an a backstory, really, an um, emotion tied to it, or like a a clear um, direction in terms of like what it's supposed to convey to an audience and Merce, it's not that he didn't care about that. He just didn't want to dictate it for you. Mm -hmm. So he blew that open. I mean, I feel like Merce is one of the most dramatic dancers I've ever encountered. It's just that he didn't want to, he wanted there it to be open um, for what the audience would get from it. So I would say maybe that was a little bit of what she was talking about. He, um, it was, he defied convention, convention in that way. Right. Right. Um, and he was, he's, he once described, he was talking to some kids we had come in watch once and he used this, um, phrase that if you're a person who enjoys the experience of movement, and I was like, he really was a person that enjoyed the experience of movement. And, so investigation was like 
in his blood and his bones and his nerves, you know, so, and he continued that through his whole career. Um, he never like figured out something that worked and kept doing it. He kept pushing. And so I would say maybe that's possibly what she was referring to. <laughs> that's even what's so neat to see here at Vail where now these dancers that have met, some of them have never even danced barefoot until mm -hmm. last year when Melissa worked with them or, um, so that investigation is still continuing, um, within their own bodies within Mercer's work and then what they take to the other dance form too. I mean that when you talk about legacy, I mean that, yeah, that I mean, me something that's legacy. so great for me is like many of these young ballet dancers are like, oh, this is making me better at ballet, having mm -hmm. this experience working with me on Cunningham. And I'm like, that's amazing. Why do they say that it makes them better at ballet? Does it give, it gives them like a new way to experience movement or? I think maybe even just feeling their back or different right. choices they have about huh. um, the pathways from one yeah. thing to the next. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating because it's obviously yeah. quite different. Yeah. <laughs> Very mm -hmm. up instead of down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, were, we were talking to a couple of the dancers, the ballet dancers that are that will be uh, in Mercer's piece this year at the festival. And they were saying how wonderful Melissa is and oh. that, um, you know, in for instance, um, you know, when uh, someone in the front of the room says, okay, let's do a run, you'll usually be met by like a collective groan. But they were like, when Melissa says it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you want to do again? Let's do it again. <laughs> let's let's do go. Again. Let's go. Like they're all so on board with it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then that's how we felt working with Merce. Like for, I was an understudy for a few years, actually, <laughs> which was uh, to be an understudy with Merce at the time that I was, was actually the best time because he was not traveling as much with the company. So there was four of us in the room with him often all day long because mm -hmm. even though he couldn't travel, he wanted to work. So he was making stuff. And he was the kind of person that you worked so hard, but he made you want to. Mm -hmm. You know, like he would joke like, okay, we're going to do it one more time and then we'll do it again. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and again and again and again. Yeah. But you were excited too, even though you were like dying. Right. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions in the audience? Yes. I don't really have a question, but I want to share that I feel both of you are very unique in, in your relationship and your, you have a given talent for communicating and teaching and swimming. And I heard mm -hmm. you, you hope to have a residency. And I think I would hope that would happen for you too because you, you Thank both you. have a gift. Thank you. Your experience together is very unique. And, um, Thank you so yeah. much. That means a lot. A lot Thank you. Share. Yeah. We couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think that's a wonderful, sorry. Yeah, no, I just, I can't thank even just the Vail Dance Festival that, I yeah. mean, when I first came here, I came as Melissa's partner and Damien was just so open because he's like, oh, come, come hang out, be a part of it. And then it was sort of over time. It's like, oh, wait, you're a visual artist and you did this and you did that. And then now. Yeah, they're just the kind of people that if you have something to contribute, they were like, great. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, so they've given me refreshing this opportunity and amazing and to share this wonderful. work, you know, during this centennial celebration of Merce Cunningham. And, you know, and I've seen it, it is universal, this sort of experience for dancers on the road and on, and what that feels like. And just the, the rigors of it, the fun of it, just a life in dance. I mean, that is similar to me whether as an as an observer i saw the same stuff here for the you know members of abt in new mm -hmm. york city ballet as the cunningham company so right. it's 
I hope for the dancers too, that they get something out of it and feel that they're, um, that they're appreciated even more, yeah. right. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that seems like a, oh, one more question. Yeah, like a, of yeah, course. <laughs> you, know, you, you talked about the, the relationship of gravity to dance and everything. Have you seen Howard Schatz's work, The Dancers in Underwater? He said, this is a mm -hmm. time when the dancers finally don't have to fight gravity. Right. They have to be able to hold their breath. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's amazing. That's amazing. I have seen some of that work. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. stunning. I remember them a year ago, January, and talked about this thing. That's amazing. Oh, interesting. So cool. That's great. Cool. Any other questions? Sounds like a great note to end on. Thank you both so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank all of you for coming out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.